Welcome back to another episode of Discipleology, a podcast where we discuss what really works in discipleship. Michael, today we are joined by Lee from Life Point Church up in Ohio. I got to talk with Lee a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about discipleship and trying to figure out how they're doing discipleship in their church. So Lee, talk to us a little bit about your website. Uh, on the very front page, it says, we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. What does that mean to y'all? Well, I, that's, that's interesting. I just had this conversation with a, a pastor friend of mine. Um, he asked me, like, where did you come up with that? And I just said, uh, Matthew 28 says that. And, <laughs> no, you know, one of the things that, that, that I, um, that, you know, that was something that I grabbed onto a few years ago, probably 2011-ish, maybe 2012, was something I read by Rick Warren. Uh, and and he, he made this comment that um, – the, the way you think determines the way in which you feel and the way in which you feel determines the way in which you act. So if you want to change the way in which you act, you got to change the way in which you think. And that just blew my mind when I, when I read that. And that is really the, the philosophy behind um, the way in which I uh, um, approach, or I should say we approach discipleship here is we don't focus on the action. We focus on the thinking. Um, and it's not just head knowledge thinking. Yes, it starts there. But it, it's then it, it promotes the, if I'm thinking this way, I'm feeling this way, I'm acting this way. And that action, that's where, that's, that's the discipleship. Um, so that, that kind of birthed all that. And then um, just the passage out of 1 Timothy 4, uh, in, in 1 Timothy 4, um, 7 and 8, when, when Paul's talking about training in, in godliness and how it has value for the present time, but also for the life to come. Um, I, I, I've taken that and, and I really have, uh, I, I don't know, I say I, I own that in the sense that w around here there's a little model that we don't try, we train. Because hmm. too many people try to do something. And I use the analogy that, and I could try to, to run a marathon and I will fail miserably. Same. But, yeah, I mean, so if I train to do that, you know, I'll have a better outcome. So this training in godliness here, it, what, what Paul's talking about, it, it has it has value for for this life. But I, I believe that as he's uh, as he's communicating there, that it's not only valuable for this life; it, it's valuable for the life to come. So I, I do teach, and I don't know how other people uh, how they gravitate towards this um, outside of you know outside of here, but. Um, I, I do believe that we have what, what, what I have called a, a sanctification suitcase. That that's what we, we take with us to, to, to heaven. Um, and that's the, the, a, a motivation to be you know, obedient in uh, discipleship here so that when we get to heaven, I mean, that's, that's part of that, uh, you know, what we can, uh, you know, those crowns in which we can throw the, the, the feet of our Savior. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I use that as motivation that, it's, it has impact because like he says, it's not only good for this life, but the life to come. So, yeah. you know, it, it goes, it goes against that mindset of people are like, well, I got my get out of hell free card. I'm good. And you know, when we get to heaven, everybody's going to be on the same page. Well, it, it doesn't say that not everybody's going to be at, at the same level. Yes. We're going to be in the presence of God, but there's going to be differences. What, what that looks like. I don't know. Michael, in your book, you talk about there being a, a ditch of education, which we're talking about. But the other ditch 
that we need to balance out as the ditch of behavior modification, mm-hmm. moralistic theology. Talk talk a little bit about the other side of the ditch. The other side, I think, of education is just is focusing like exclusively on behavior. You know, that's why I would go back, Lee, to what you said. I think the, what you said, Warren's quote about uh, thinking to feeling to behaving, I think is really, really helpful. So the end of thinking is not just thinking. There's a, there's a greater end to it, just like the beginning of acting doesn't just come out of nowhere. It, it, flows, out of, uh, it flows out of thinking. So on the one hand, you know, you can think of discipleship all is all about education. On the other hand, you can think of discipleship as all about behavior. And man, you're probably right. The word that fits in between those two things is training. Right. Um, so to go back to the marathon analogy, you know, training is a lot. Uh, I mean, it's a big physical commitment, obviously, but there's a huge mental component to that, too. Like you have to be resolved in your mind. And you have to be convinced that this is actually going to work. Like if I if I put in the hours, if I do this, it's actually going to have real results that show up. So um, it's a really really good analogy to to find the uh, in between point of both of those things. I think absolutely. So right now I'm doing a couch to five k. Still on day yeah. still on day one. Uh, so would we say you're doing? Yeah, or you're planning. I, I have to downloaded do? couch to five k. Okay, so there you go. You, you decided to do it exactly. Uh, the stage in which you're at. So, Lee, in in the same analogy of running, uh, I have started right, but wh- where uh, in your discipleship model are you uh, taking those guys in your congregation that have have decided to start the couch to five k in discipleship? How do you walk them uh, to be able to run a marathon? Well, I, I want to make sh- a clear distinction. I'm not a runner. Um, <laughs> you're, you're just an analogy user. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. I use that analogy because people will, will say, "Ah, I get it." So, um, yeah. So I, I don't know as far as like the stages of running, but uh, as far as getting people engaged there, I, I I like to take the personal level. I mean, we're a smaller church where we can have um, more of the the, the personal relational um, interactions. So I, I don't believe that discipleship happens um, on Sunday when, when you're standing in, up on stage and you're, you're preaching. That's, that's a, a portion of it that, that, you know, it's an element, I guess, that, can, that you, can, uh, you can draw from. But real discipleship happens in relationships. So uh, another, you know, another phrase in which I, I stole from, I think it was D.A. Carson, uh, it, it was the, origin, the originator of it, is uh, build a bridge that can bear the weight of truth. So we build bridges, and that's where our focus is, is building a bridge with someone that you can then put the, the, the weight of the gospel, the, the truth of the gospel on that bridge, that it can, uh, and then it can withstand that. Um, but that, that's not the, the end. So if somebody um, you know, has that bridge and, and they uh, put the, the truth on it and, and someone accepts Christ, and then they, they don't just walk away from that, that relationship or walk away from that bridge, they continue to build that bridge so that as things come up in the, in the individual's lives, they have that, um, that connection where they can say, hey, this is going on or that's going on or I see this. And just being able to, to continually put truth on there and it can you know, continually bearing that weight. So the relational, I guess the relational element is the big thing on, on how to, for me, for us, is to you know, how we really get discipleship to happen. 
Well, now let me go back to one other thing that you said, Lee, because I think this is super important that sometimes gets lost on people. And I'm, I want to say it as, I don't know, as, as gently, but as clearly as I can. Um, I, I think sometimes as church leaders, you know, we can ask the question and not feel like discipleship is really happening uh, in our church. And if it's true that discipleship is really more caught than it is taught, which I think is, which I think is true, then one of the most basic reasons why it might not necessarily be happening is the fact that a pastor, or ironically, a discipleship pastor, is not actually meeting personally with one or two or three or four other people that they themselves are that they're discipling. Uh, I think the tendency is to get so involved programmatically that you spend all of your time as a ministry leader planning discipleship for other people to hopefully implement, and but you never actually do it yourself. So it, I think that's I think it's an important point too. It's a huge communication thing when people know, you know, my pastor or my education minister or whoever meets with so and so on a or leads this small group on a regular basis. It 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 communicates volumes about the importance of what we're doing. I'd I'd love to know more about those four guys you're discipling. What are some practical tips? What are you actually doing with them? First is just uh meeting with the, the meetings one on one. Uh, I, I do meetings one on one and then we meet in a in a group together. Uh, the, the the practicalness of it is uh, it comes down to just the tools in which we we use. I, I do a lot of hey, I, I've read this article or I've read this book. And depending, here's here's a, a thing that I think that I, I found very 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 important to me is that I cannot expect each one of those men to respond the same as another one of those men. So I have to, and that's why I like to do individual, but also do group setting. Because there's things in the group that yeah we all we all get and we all agree and we all can um, you know that's our, our our mode of which to, to to learn that but there are also things that there need I need to tailor that to each individual um, each individual guy like I, I like one guy is just super loves to read and you know I could I could just like barely even say a, a, a title of a book or something he's getting it he's, and he's reading it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's another guy that I can I can look at and I can write down the title of the book and say read this book, and then six months later he's like, oh yeah, hey, I read that finally. And I mean, it doesn't. He's not any less spiritual. He just he's different. Sure. Um, but he is more where I can. He, he's more sensitive to that that oneness that we're, we're, we're when we uh, when we come together and we can you know the interaction of the dialogue that we have. Um, so I think the biggest thing is just learning how each individual, uh, each one of those men, how they, how they learn, how they grow, and you know what, that that's that's been huge. And something that that sticks in my mind is that uh, you know when when I read through the Gospels and, and I read about how Jesus interacts with his disciples, you know you can you can see clearly that Jesus talks to Peter different than he talks in the thing. Yeah, man, that is true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, so it, it, it's understanding that, you know, Jesus knew that it was important to talk to each one of his disciples different, but there were times that he talked to them as a group as well. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest tool or the biggest uh, thing for me. 
I love what you said there about learning how the other people learn. Uh, so on my team, we have been walking through some spiritual gift tests. We've been working through personality tests just so that we can realize that everybody learns and everybody reacts to things differently. Um, I think that's I think that's a huge part. Yeah, we, we've done that too. Um, so so what I do is we, we have went through the, um, the spiritual gifts and then the, the personality and everything. And but I, I really believe that. The, the spiritual gifts really come out with inside of the group setting and then the, the church setting of, of seeing. Because I, I tell people all the time that, that if you have to go up to someone and convince them that, that you have the gift of hospitality or <laughs> whatever, and they're like, no, you're the meanest, nastiest <laughs> person I know. You're grumpy. Uh, I mean, it's a, if you have to convince someone of your spiritual gift, it's definitely not. I don't care what the, uh, uh, what, the what the inventory uh, right. reveals <laughs> right right that's um, probably a valid point sure. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your congregation how big of a church are you um demographics of your church um we're, we're just a i guess what you would consider a normal size church uh, i think that the normative church now they're saying is between 80 and 100 um, so we, we fluctuate in there. Maybe we'll get a little bit over hundred here and there, or whatever. So we're a normal sized church. Uh, we live in a very small town, um, in the middle of a bunch of cornfields. The history of this church, it, it started, the church started way back in the fifties, but, uh, the, the church when, when my wife and I came, came here, what's it been? 12, 13 years ago, whatever it's been. I know that that God had a, a calling on my life. Didn't know exactly what it was. I was just volunteering where I can. And then, you know, this guy leaves and we're, we don't have anybody to, to, to preach. And that's where it started. We had no one to, 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 that would stand up in front and, and preach. Um, so uh, I'm not a shy guy. So I just said, well, I'll, I don't know really what I'm doing, um, but I'll do it. So I said, I'll fill in until we get someone. Well, that was in, uh, October, the end of October of 2009. So almost, almost 10 years. Exactly. Wow. Um, yeah. And, uh, what was your first sermon about? Do you remember when you stood up and preached? <laughs> I do. What, uh, what truth, does? It was truth in love. Okay. And, um, I, I can remember the, the reason I, that, that I felt led to that was because I, I believe a lot of people were not hearing the truth. And then when, when they were hearing the truth, it wasn't give it, given to them in love. Um, and I wanted to communicate the truth of what was going on to everybody, but I wanted to do it in a, do it in a loving way. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that it was, I, I'm sure I butchered it. I mean, at, at that time I, I wrote out every sermon. It was probably 16, 17, 18 pages long. I don't know what it was. Actually sounds really good. It's my first sermon was about Gilligan's Island and it had some Bible <laughs> verses thrown into it. So I, so I, I like your direction better, brother. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm not very creative. I've never been creative. I, I joke around with people that, uh, I'm like BASF. Um, I'm not sure if you know, if you're familiar with BASF, BASF is a company that uh, their motto is that they make things better. So yeah, they, they don't, don't make in, things, they make things better. It's like a, a cassette tape company. Oh. Well, it, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, they do more things. than, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, uh, they don't invent anything. They just take something that somebody else invented and make it better. How about that? So, I, 
I don't have a creative bone in my body. Um, <laughs> so I just take what other people do and I, I try to, you know, customize it and make it work here. And well, I mean, that's the same thing the discipleship and everything. That's too. exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I, I think that's super encouraging not to say, so we don't know each other very well, so I, I can't really validate how creative you, you are or not. So I'm going to take your word for it. Trust me, you, I'm, I'm not. When I'm, you say ask my wife. Okay. I'm not. Um, but as it relates to the discussion about discipleship, man, sometimes I, I just, I feel like, you know, we have the tendency to overcomplicate a little bit what it is that we're doing. And, right. what, and what you're reminding us of here is, guys, what, what you're doing here is spending time with people and you're reading the Bible together and you're you're trying your best to do what it says that you should do and you're you're helping each other do that um, it doesn't it doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it sometimes intentionally available yeah that's right and that may be the greatest resource that anybody has in terms of themselves or in terms of the congregation that they're leading if they want to see some kind of discipleship movement start to happen, the most important resource you have at your disposal is people. I mean, it's it's people. Uh, whether you're the person or whether there's it's people that you're leading, that's the that's the best resource that we've got. Another thing that stands out to me too, I would read books on discipleship because um, I was I was never discipled, so the, I don't know how it works when it comes to the the proper ways. It just like I've, I was never a pastor either. Um, I was never a pastor before I was a pastor here. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm thrown in as, as the lead pastor. And, and um, so I, I don't know, I, I don't know what a pastor is supposed to do. I don't know the, the, the formalities and all that, that stuff just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. But at the same time, I've had never been discipled. So I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So what I did was I just started reading everything I, I could. And I started reading all of these resources, good resources, but I started trying to do things and measure myself up to like our discipleship program has to be this. And then it just didn't work out. And what's well, got to be this. And I, it just, it, it never worked because I was trying to measure up to someone else until, you know, God really smacked me upside the head and, and said, it's not about doing somebody else's things. It's about doing your thing, but you can use other people's stuff there. You don't have to reinvent it, but just adapt it to, you know, I say all the time that God made you, you for a reason. And just like he made me the, the, the crazy redneck that I am for a reason, because that's how I, that's how I relate to, to people. Um, so I, I guess a piece of advice to, to others that are out there would be just don't try to measure up against the, you know, these discipleship gurus take their, their, uh, you know, the time in which they've spent and, and Thank God that you can use resources and, and just take that and adapt it to where God has, has called you to, you know, to, to lead um, and just do your best. My, my, my favorite word is uh, in the Greek is spudazo, where Paul said, he, he says, do your best. And that's, that's what I do. I just uh, you know, do my best and I just, trust God that he's going to do his. And yeah. I communicate one of the, the stupidest things that I, I guess it's grammatically incorrect, but I tell people uh, be faithful in the smalls and trust God for the bigs, you know, and that's, that, that works for me. Yeah. yeah. That works for me. This takes me back to our very first phone call when you had questions about the discipleship pathway and how Bible studies for life applies that 
that pathway. How is Bible Studies for Life working for you guys now? Um, what are, what steps are y'all taking into the uh, the different signposts? Well, so as far I mean, so that phone call was only a few weeks ago, so it hasn't a lot of time hasn't elapsed. Um, but as far as the the uh, assessment, uh, I've had um, you know my core group and every and everybody take the assessment. I'm, I'm right now. Because I want, because of the um, how I, I focus on relationships, and that's, that's a big portion of what we do. I'm sitting down. I'm in the midst of sitting down with everyone who's taken the assessment and going through and looking at what the next steps are, versus just taking a group approach. Uh, I'm sure that as this, as the the um, the concentric circles go out, the the ripples go out further and further, and more people take the assessment. It's going to be harder. But what I want to do is like with the, with the four guys in which I'm personally discipling, uh, I sit down with them and then the other groups in which I, I'm discipling, I'm sitting down with them so that as I'm sitting down and as we're going through the uh, discipleship pathway assessment and looking at their strengths, looking at what, what it is that they're, as it says on there, their lowest scores, even if it's something they, they score um, a, in the green, you know, the, how it's color coded and everything, even if it's in the green, there's still that, what's the lowest score in that, you know, that question. And so we address that. Why is this? And, and um, so it's not just clicking on the next steps, which is cool. And I love that you can click on that next steps and it you know, brings a bunch of, of um, things down that you can really dive and go further in. But I like the, the portion of that, those, just those individual questions being able to, okay, it said you scored low and this was the question here. Why do you think that that is? And what, what are some things that we can do to, to help on that? Sure. It's a, it's a super useful tool mm-hmm. uh, to figure out where you are uh, and how to, to get better. Um, the discipleship pathway and Bible studies for life both are, are really designed to just let, let um, are designed to let you do discipleship. Um, they are also useful tools uh, to come alongside what you're already doing. So I'm glad that those well, are, are working out. Yeah, I mean, and as far as like uh, our discipleship program, like it, we have a, a section that um, in that program is we have a, the tools, and it, it, it's it's awesome because when again just coming across this, you know, not too long ago, I, I was able to take that tool and just bring it into what we're already doing, and it's an added tool. It doesn't change everything; it just gives us a, a, another tool because we have a a really cool tool that we use. It kind of helps us understand the stage of spiritual growth of like where the individual is at. But along with that, um, we're using the discipleship uh, pathway assessment to not only see if they're a, you know, if they're a child in the faith or maybe even an infant in the faith, but how they're progressing and what areas will help them to get to that next stage. Sure. Lee, thank you so much. Uh, This has been really good. Yeah. Super fun, man. You're really fun to talk to. And uh, it's neat to hear you talk about this church that you that you grew up in uh, and, and and are now leading. That's that's really, really neat. It's yeah, it's it's a wild ride. I guess. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm Still sure. On. So for the listeners, if you want to go to disciplology.com, there you can sign up for Michael Kelly's book. Uh, creating a discipleship pathway. Head over to BibleStudiesForLife.com. There you can take a look at the curriculum that will also help put discipleship into your church. 
Lee, thank you for joining us. Michael, always a pleasure. And we'll see y'all next time.